the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya podcast brought to you by Genucel. Do you remember that movie with Jack Black called School of Rock, where he teaches all the kids to play instruments and they go and compete as a rock band? And it's really fun. Well, there's a book out now called School of Woke by Kenny Shu. How did CRT get into our academic situations and in our, into our school systems, into education at all? He's going to explain. That's next. Now it's time for some sanity. It's the Michelle Tafoya podcast. So we've all been talking about CRT, critical race theory. Some people have just heard of it. It's, it's hard for people to actually define what it is. Our next guest is going to try to do that for us and tell us how it's gotten into classrooms. Why? And what we can do about it, if anything, if you care to. Uh, Kenny Shu, the author of this book, is coming up next. First, though, I want you to remind yourself to take a look in the mirror, ladies, and see if there are some dark spots, because they're not going away on their own. Introducing the dark spot corrector from Genucel right in time for summer. So this dark spot corrector has not one, but three cutting edge ingredients that goes to work fast to target sunspots, dark spots, liver spots, and even old discoloration, both on your face and your hands. You are going to, you're going to be really surprised by how fast this stuff works and how you see results. You can now enjoy your summer at the beach, at the park, at the barbecues, at the baseball games without the embarrassing spots. With Genucel, you will see results or your money back. No questions asked. So go to Genucel.com right now. Get your dark spot corrector with the new Genucel most popular package now featuring summer essentials like the best selling ultra retinol moisturizer with a powerful retinol alternative that's safe to use in the summer sun. Visit Genucel.com slash Michelle right now for the amazing summer essentials and save over 70% off Genucel's most popular package. Don't wait. Order Genucel's most popular popular package right now, free shipping, free returns, and the best luxury skincare you've ever used all at 70% off. Genucel.com slash Michelle. Remember, it's Michelle with one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Genucel.com slash Michelle, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Michelle. All orders will include a mystery luxury gift while they last. Genucel.com slash Michelle. Coming up, Kenny Zhu on Wokeness, CRT in the classroom. The School of Woke is the book. He is next. Kenny Shu, welcome and congratulations on the book, School of Woke. It is number one in the education policy category on Amazon. So that's a good sign. It sounds like people are interested. Why are you the right person to tell this story, Kenny? Because it's back to school. And what I've seen investigating my two years of research into the school boards in the United States, really in response to the rising parent concerns over critical race theory and gender ideology in schools, I have seen that school boards have fundamentally ignored their responsibility to children and have instead served activist 
and woke interests over the interests of children. And my book seeks to expose that. Yeah, I, you know, it seems to me children are a big topic lately, and they seem to be bearing the brunt of all these desires and goals of older people who can speak louder and put more pressure on school boards, as you mentioned. But I want to get down to some of the brass tacks of this, because I think some people have they want to be able to define certain terms. So let's start with CRT, critical race theory, which some people think that that's not going on. You're cherry picking. There's a school or two here or there. That's well, clearly it's pervasive enough that people are noticing it, responding to it in one fashion or another. So let's define critical race theory as it, as it exists, not in law school, but in the, you know, in the lower education system in America. Critical race theory believes that America is still a racist country as long as disparities between white and black kids still exist. Uh, at least that's the educational definition. So what I mean by that is, for example, if there is a racial achievement gap in this country, which it, there is, mm -hmm. by the way, there's a significant one between black students and white students. Uh, critical race theory would say that means that racism is still in our institutions. So in other words, there would be no other variable. It's just that we're a racist country. This this has no there's no other variable involved here. We're just racist. Right. It doesn't have to do with culture. It doesn't have to do with the 75 percent out of wedlock rate. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Uh, it, is, it doesn't have to do with, you know, poor discipline policies or inner city crime, which is which is highly correlated with low achievement. But it has to do with white racism, basically. Yeah, this is and and white children are paying a price to a great extent because they are being called, you know, privileged and oppressive. And most of these kids don't even know what the hell people are talking about. And they're being labeled. And to me, it's just so harmful. Plus, you're also telling kids uh, of color the only reason you're not achieving is because of the color of your skin, which is clearly, I think you've done the research and it's, it's not the case. We, we've seen parents become more interested in this topic since, since the pandemic, right? When they got to see what was going on in their kids' classrooms. How far back though do you think CRT goes in terms of its, its, its existence in these classrooms? In my book, School of Woke, I chronicle its historical rise. It really goes back to two separate events. One, the ability of Marxists like Herbert Marcuse, who invented critical theory back in the 50s and 60s in academia, to position America along a privileged and oppressed scale. They couldn't, the, the Europeans were able to do it by class, but the critical theorists came and they wanted to do it by race because America has a much uh, more maligned history of racism. Um, the second part is a separate event. It's uh, the teaching of critical conscientization studies by a educator, another Marxist educator in South America named Paulo Freire, 
who taught this book called Pedagogy of the Oppressed, which is in every education school in America. It says the best way to teach children is to make them aware of their place in this world. What he means by place in this world is their status on the privilege and oppression hierarchy. Those two events merged the racial tension and the critical conscientization and birthed critical race theory. Yeah, certainly the summer of 2020 was a um, was a moment in this country where whether whatever people believe, people called it a racial reckoning. This this death of George Floyd on the streets of Minneapolis, which is near near me, where where I live and uh, where I produce this show. Uh, so we saw it very up close and boom, that one singular moment seemed to kind of serve as a, a nadir almost for, for more of this, for the justification of this. Would you, would you say that that moment was, was impactful? I would say yes. It was, it was probably the nadir of American life racially, um, but we have been, honestly, our culture had been declining in that sphere for the past seven years before that, too. Race relations was at a high in 2008 when it was 70 percent, including blacks and whites, who believed that race relations were good. By 2020, it was down to 25 percent. And now it's even lower. So and what happened? What happened? Did, did, was there more racism that happened in this country? No, it wasn't more racism that precipitated that. But it was this teaching in our education system that we are a fundamentally racist country, that color blindness is bad, that merit equals white supremacy. It was the promulgating of these ideologies into our media. And then finally, our education system that promulgated that precipitous decline. The, the term color blindness catches my ear because I've heard it. Um, I've heard it used in a positive light, but I've certainly heard it used in a negative light, although it is as though it is something bad, negative, colorblindness. So what what is that term all about? What does it mean? And why are there two sides to it? Colorblindness means that we should strive to treat people as an individual without respect to their skin color, meaning that I'm approaching you, Michelle, in this conversation, uh, just trying to have a conversation without making assumptions about your background or your status uh, based on the color of your skin. Mm -hmm. Of course, that is antithetical to critical race theory. Critical race theory believes that if you are white, you have certain privileges that is just baked into your life experience. And I argue in my book, School of Woke, that's the wrong way to teach children. Um, and I do believe in the next 20 years, critical race theory is going is just going to be one of those topics that every parent is going to have to be aware of. They're going to have to teach their children how to counter that in the home, individualized dinner table conversations, say, honey, um, Johnny, I, I think that your friend Marcus over there, just because he's a dark colored skin person does not mean he's any less of a person or more of a person. He is your friend. You should treat them as an individual. That is the way we have to approach these dinnertime conversations. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact.
So you're saying over the next 20 years, this effort has to to go on to combat what has already sort of been germinating and taking root in the schools. What where is the responsibility on the teachers, on the administrators in the American school system and the government school system to to say this is Marxist? I mean, you've you've mentioned the names, the people, the backgrounds, the the the. The, the setup for this whole theory is Marxist. So what when is it incumbent on the schools themselves to do something to change this? I think that the buck still has to stop with the superintendent. And, and what I mean by – and the administration. What I mean by that is Loudoun County, which was a, a, a county that I investigated as part of school work. It's a wealthy county in Virginia – they, they were assaulted by basically the race narrative back in 2019. The NAACP, which we think is supposed to be a good organization, but has evolved into a very bad organization, assaulted this uh, county school saying that there's racism in the district. They pointed out this isolated incident where this PE teacher accidentally assigned the role of a slave in an underground railroad exercise. Um, you know, they made a big deal about that. And then they asked to put their own DEI consultants into the LCPS Loudoun County school system. At that point, the superintendent should have said, no, we're going to crack down. We do not believe our parents are racist. We do not believe our teachers are racist. We're going to defend the dignity of our teachers. But he didn't. The superintendent uh, let those people in. They let them basically run an audit of the school, which naturally produced a startling account of systemic racism in the school district, even though there wasn't, and basically allowed those race vultures to profit off of the you know $1.8 billion school system that was Loudoun County. We've heard a lot about Loudoun County. Certainly, uh, there have been a number of things. Y- y- you mentioned also the 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 critical gender theory, I guess. Can we call it that? Is that what it is? It is because it's assigning a privileged oppressed dynamic. Critical just means privileged oppressed. Okay. It's assigning a privileged oppressed dynamic to basically being queer. So of course, now, right now it's sexy to be queer. It's popular mm-hmm. to be queer. Yeah. Um, the percentage of kids identifying as queer has gone up from 5% to 25% in just one generation. Um, and so and schools, the reason why is simply because schools are encouraging that um, in the name of gender activism. So, yeah, this is an ideology that has to be fought, too, because when you start identifying people as oppressed, you allow them to take advantage of teachers. You allow them to misbehave. A fourth grader who you know wears a dress you know, is allowed to practice sexual practices within the classroom that any normal person would not be allowed to practice. So this is a, a, a ideology that has to be cracked down on. Well, it's interesting because when you use the term crackdown, people are going to say, what are you saying? You're saying that, you know, because there's this this large contingent of Americans who protect trans kids, protect trans kids, protect trans kids. And I, there is certain this is new. Like this is not something that I ever saw in grade school. This is not something that I saw in my kids first eight, 10 years of grade school. This is recent. And again, this explosion of it seems to align with what you're talking about, with this notion of victimology, if you will, that if I am trans, you think lesser of me. I get to call you a transphobe if you question anything I do, and therefore I get some advantage out of that. 
Do I have that right? I think so. I think you have that right. I talked with a Virginia teacher named Karen. You, you'll read about it in School of Woke. But basically, she runs a fifth grade, Spanish, primarily Spanish speaking, primarily illegal immigrant classroom. Um, and there is, you know, a, a kid who identifies as queer in this classroom and he insists on being called by his pronouns. He insists on basically being uh, allowed to flirt, kiss in the classroom, those kinds of things. And the standard is lowered for this kid in terms of discipline standards, because she feels like if she were to call him out on it, recommend him to the principal, she would be the one in trouble, not the kid. That is an undermining of the traditional teacher-student authority that should be happening in the classroom. So what I mean by cracking down is, is not a, any, in any way hateful. It just means we shouldn't be lowering the discipline or behavioral standards for people who identify as queer. Well, I, I, I agree. Um, and, you know, I, I just wish we would treat people as individuals and not as categories, because what you've described there is someone taking advantage of this categorization of being queer so that I have now advantages in the classroom that kids who don't identify that way don't have. Again, I'll get back to I, shame on the schools for caving. Uh, this DEI industry is quite something. But. I, again, I'll push back on this. Where are the parents? What, what is their role? I realize that you focused on schools here, but how much feedback did you get from people about parents being participants in this whole thing? Oh, man, I talk about the parents and why the parents need to get more engaged than ever. One, I talk about the individual conversation that parents need to have, which we've already touched on. But two, I talk about some of the activists, the, the, the great parents who are holding students accountable you know, in PTA school board meetings in Santa Barbara County, California, another school district I heavily investigated. I talk about a ragtag group of parents taking on the public school system for basically protecting an alleged sexual predator in the classroom who was, um, he was very woke <laughs> and he was promoting ethnic studies and promoting critical race theory. He was very important to the school district. They did not want to let him go. Um, but the parents, you know, he was, he was, um, uh, speaking and, uh, not speaking. He was, uh, harassing, uh, young girls basically, uh, in a physical way. And the parents were able to speak out and get him fired. Um, but the school district did not want him fired. So parents can stand up. They can make a difference at their local meetings, but they do, have to stand up because if you are not aware and you're not vigilant in the school system, you will allow these woke ideologues to take advantage of you and your kid. Well, it, th that leads to another problem here. I, listen, I've talked to parents who are afraid to speak out on behalf of their kids, who are afraid to question, to raise their hand in a school board meeting to say, I don't agree with X, Y, or Z because they feel that their kid will then be targeted that their kid may be on the, you know, on the hook for, oh, then we'll just lower that grade a little bit. Remember that kid's parents at the school board meeting? Yeah. So there is that fear. And I don't think it's illegitimate. What do you, what do you make of that, that concern by parents that they're going to be doing harm to their kids and their kids' reputation and maybe their success in school if they do speak up? Well, first of all, I want to express empathy. Um, Yes, you know, it is hard when you have your kid in the school system. Um, you may feel like there might be retribution. 
I would say this is when principled activists and politicians have to arise. And I'm serious about that because uh, we do need to go and we need to elect people who will keep our schools safe, who will raise the standards for our children, who will stand up for their children, who don't have that level of uh, leverage that the school system has over those kids. So that's what American politics and democracy is all about. Hmm. I would say take back take back that effort, understand what the true purpose of the American political system is, elect those candidates, have those nonprofits like Colorist United, which is the group that I run, ColoristUnited.org. We advocate against CRT in a race-blind society. That's what we want. Um, have those people come in and speak on your behalf so you're not alone. Key is to come in in numbers and you can win. These are not, these people are, these ideologues, they are well-funded, but they are not that smart. And you can beat people in the public square on that. Colorusunited.org. What, how do you operate? What, what is it that you actually do? If you have a complaint against a business or an institution, a college, that is really, you know, a principled complaint, right? That is discriminating on the basis of race, uh, teaching a privileged oppressed dynamic, or, you know, in some way is harming, you know, your your kids' futures uh, in a way that is unprincipled and unbecoming of the American spirit, then you contact us. And we've stood up for people, you know, in those negotiations also, at, a, at, a, at an advocacy level, we run media campaigns to fight back against diversity, equity, and inclusion policies that you and I know are inherently discriminatory because they're solely based on race. We had a victory at the medical school of North Carolina, UNC Medical School, one of the most prestigious medical schools in the nation. We're trying to train doctors. We're trying to promote doctors based on race, not based on um, merit. And we came in and we forced them to rescind that DEI framework that they did through lobbying, activism, um, social media, and uh, writing. So that's what we can do. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. It's interesting. I'm hearing a lot about North Carolina these days. Obviously, they were part of that affirmative action case recently. And, you know, I, I, I've heard of a lot of activity at North Carolina from the top down and from the bottom up, you know, some people saying this is a place where we are going to be, you know, we are going to preach diversity, equity, and inclusion, but some of the other administrators saying, look, we, we've got to have free speech on campus. We've, we've got to respect the rights of every student. We've got to reward merit, et cetera. So with your unique perspective on North Carolina, is that sort of a hot spot right now? What's going on there? You're right. Look, I'm a North Carolina resident and uh, that this is, I think, one of the critical issues in North Carolina right now, which is I think North Carolina is becoming a hotbed of this of this tension between merit 
and uh, DEI and race ideology. It's, it's really cool to actually see North Carolina have to snap back to the public will because everybody thinks UNC is a very liberal school, which is true, but they've recently gotten some administrators and um, publicly appointed, that is government appointed by the will of the people, administrators that are really cracking down on this ideology and standing up for merit because North Carolinians know that we want, we don't care about the race of our doctor. We care about the most qualified doctor. So Color Us United, my group, we came in and all we did was really speak to that, speak to that understanding of North Carolinians. And that's how we were able to be successful. It's a really interesting thing to watch just as Loudoun County has been sort of a bellwether on a lot of these issues. Um, you know, I, I often wonder, Kenny, if the toothpaste is is out of the tube. And if there's ever, if there is really going back, you've kind of outlined that you think there's this 20 year window on which we can really each and every one of us activate on whichever side of this we believe in. But where do you think the majority of people lie on this? I hear a lot of people who are, they don't care. They want their kids taught CRT, even though some of them don't even know what it means. Um, They, you know, protect trans kids. They're, they're letting kids sort of make these rules about what they want to be called in the classroom and, and that we must respect that even if the parents don't know about it and parental rights are suffering. So it almost feels like there's been this avalanche. And sometimes I wonder if we're going to dig out just how, how, what's, what's your perspective on the, the, sort of the weight of the people on one side versus the other. Where are we? I said it was going to be a 20-year conversation about CRT that we're going to need to have as an individual conversations. But I think that activism, principled activism, can work in in the span of just one or two years. Look at what happened in Virginia. You know, um, because of the efforts of principled activists in Virginia, parent activists, Azra Nomani, uh, is my friend who worked in the specifically in Northern Virginia. You know, they were they elected Glenn Youngkin over yes. uh, Terry McAuliffe. Yes. That's a huge victory that I cover in my book. People don't understand. They think, oh, well, Glenn Youngkin isn't doing that much. Yeah, but you know what he's not doing? He's not doing what Terry McAuliffe would have done because Terry McAuliffe was insistently aligned with the teachers unions and the left woke ideology in the Virginia platform. And he would have turned that state even further downhill. So um, that was how activism stood up and won in the political sphere. In North Carolina, standing up for merit and against DEI, we delivered a significant blow to DEI at the medical school. In California, uh, you know, we are able to stand up. I mean, there, there are parents who I cover who are standing up against the basically the uh, physical and ideological grooming of children um, and getting, getting the bad actors fired out of place through vigilance. Those things are happening right now. They're happening in your communities, but you need to be a part of a group. You can't stand alone in this, but there are groups fighting back in every state. Well, and if people want to find out more about how they can get involved, uh, colorusunited.org and get this book, School of Woke, How Critical Race Theory Infiltrated American Schools and Why We Must Reclaim Them. Uh, You can get it on Amazon. It's the number one new release in education policy right now, which is which I looked at some of the competition. You should be proud of this, Kenny. That's that's quite something. I, I, I'm i eager to read the book from start to finish. I've given it a perusal and I'm fascinated again. Look, I, I, I'm the daughter of a school teacher. 
I don't think she ever, now she's been retired for quite some time, but she hears about this stuff and she she's mind blown. This, this didn't used to be part of the public schools in America, which used to be lauded as some of the best in the world. We need to get that status back for the sake of our kids, not for our teachers, not for our professors, but for the sake of these children. Um, uh, anyway, congratulations on the book, Kenny. I appreciate your time so much today. Best of luck. Thank you. He's Kenny Zhu. The Shu, the book is School of Woke, How Critical Race Theory Infiltrated American Schools and Why We Must Reclaim Them. And you can find out more at colorusunited.org as well if you want to uh, get something going. That's a, a place to start. So in the meantime, thanks for listening. As I say at the end of every podcast, be brave because that's what this is going to require. It's a little bravery and do good. And we'll see you next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.